0: So the Western New York Flash are—they're um, not exactly doing well in a lot of people's minds right now. I guess months ago they they requested an, a, to play their game last weekend against the Seattle rain at a different field than they normally use. I, I don't know what the reasoning was behind it, but
1: uh, they they booked uh, their normal home stadium for a concert featuring. Uh, uh, popular acts of the late 90s. Uh, the headliner was TLC. Oh, they – they is that the one
0: with um, – yeah, I, I think I've heard of that. Like it's coming – like it's playing everywhere. It's playing in my hometown in, called yeah, it's, Evansville, it's, Indiana. It it's touring all over. Pretty much yeah.
1: anywhere that has a stadium or a field and a stage
0: or and a, the ability to – an actual amphitheater sometimes right. so jiffy lube live i think they played so larger markets they're playing bigger venues which makes sense but yeah they're they're playing everywhere anyway western new york told seattle we're going to play at a different field it'll be a little smaller 110 yards by 60 um which is you know right at the bottom end of the allowable field uh well, dimensions
1: it's it's at the bottom of fifa's dimensions uh right. the nwso official uh requirements are um 70 uh which is the same as mls for for future reference
0: so it's going to be a special dispensation anyway it turns out they they weren't entirely honest about the the dimensions of the field um they played the entire field they put it on a baseball field and not in the way we've seen at yankee stadium or back when uh kansas city played at community america ballpark where they they take some of the infield and, and repurpose it or even at rfk where mm-hmm. they took all of the infield actually and turned it into the field, so they could have a proper dimensioned field. No, instead they put the entire field in yes. the outfield and uh, with with the boards or with the the outfield wall right on top of the corners and right behind yeah. one of the goals. It was it, it was one of the more comical things you've ever seen, except it's tragic comic because they had to play on that and yes. a competitive game that the the visitors were not informed that the field was actually. Uh, I think generously listed at a hundred yards by 52. Yards.
1: It was, the, they were told it was, they were told when they got there, it was 58, right. um, which is below the 61, they were already told. Um, and then when you look at it, um, an 18 yard box is supposed to be 44 yards wide. And mm-hmm. if you take a look at that field, you know, to get to 58 means you need seven yards on each side. Uh, and it's not, seven it wasn't yards. there.
0: Um, yeah
1: it's probably more like four. And so each throw in became like any throw in basically in the attacking end became a corner kick.
0: Right. Without, and, and
1: without needing a specialist long throw in person is just anyone could do it.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: And so where two of the goals came from.
0: Yeah, it um, was, it was bad and the Western New York flash should feel bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's sad because the rest of the league that doesn't represent them. Um, and yet, In most cases, a lot of outlets only reported like, look, this thing is happening. Look at this dumb league and their dumb field. Right. Um, Rather than saying like this, like one, like this will be the only game this season that's played in this circumstance. Um, Do we know
0: why they were allowed to why the league allowed them to to do pull this farce instead of saying, no, you forfeit. You can play, but you're going to go in the books with a three nothing loss
1: um what i have read especially uh, reported in rochester as well is that um they told the league whenever the concert was booked they said look you know we have to play somewhere else um the league said look into your different options in rochester and apparently there are five or six different places that could um host a game in the nwsl with regards to crowd size and field space and all that um And apparently they gave lip service to the idea of evaluating those places, but they have Rochester soccer as a whole has history at Frontier Field. Um, The Rhinos used to play there, and the thing is the Rhinos used to play and they used to spend seven grand every single game to put sod over a portion of the infield so that they could play on grass the whole way, so it was all, you know, an even surface. The league told them, I guess before all this, they said, the only thing is you can't play on grass, if you play on... A baseball stadium you you ha- you can't play on dirt there's got to be grass all the way mm-hmm. um and so the rhinos said well we picked frontier field because of history blah 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 and the league said okay just no dirt you can't play on the dirt the you flash, can't have you most mean. of the game no no the league told them again they're like you can't play no, you on the any dirt. Uh, whatever yeah the yep. flash um, okay the flash had picked this stadium because of the history of the rhinos because the two organizations have been owned by the same people for most of the time that they've existed um and so the league just said you can't play on the dirt and the flash said it'll be fine we just you know our field is going to be uh 110 by 61 or whatever whatever it was by 61 and the league said all right we'll give you a one-time only uh allowance to play the game on this field um and the right. the the rain were told that they got out there they found that that was not the case they were told at one thirty on game day that the game would not be the the field inspector for the league said you can't play on this um according to the rain nothing changed in the 4 hours that followed that when they came back to prep for the game uh, on the mm-hmm. off chance that it would change they said nothing had changed the league uh or Either the league or the Flash, somebody on that side is saying that the issues that were in place at one thirty were corrected. There were six minor issues, and they were corrected by 5.30. Um, complicating things more is that the co- the head coach of the Flash told the Rain, um the Reign's head coach, they said, if you don't want to play, we won't play. But the coaches don't have that power to um, right. call a game. This isn't a rec league. Uh, This is a professional league. There's more going on than just the coaches agreeing to play or not. Um, This isn't you you and your buddies uh, playing a pickup game against some other people that you know. Um, So I don't know what went in there. I'm sure the the coaches were both put under pressure from the league to play a game once one team flew out. Um, Right. So there's a lot going on that no one knows. But uh, it's something that should be absolutely avoided.
0: Yeah, it ends up being a bad look for the league, even though, you know, almost every team in the league was not involved with this. Right.
1: Um, And they all get associated. So not not great. Not great at all.
0: Not great, Bob. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, Ben Bromley is uh, on assignment fighting illness tonight, um, fighting the good fight, trying not to die. He's not going to die. He's just got a stomach bug. Ben, but it's ben been is a our while. Kofi
1: Opari. <laughs> he's been asked to leave uh, this time we, by we, sickness.
0: Yes. Sickness red carded. It's not me. a good metaphor. I'm it's sorry. Not, Well, I mean, this is the <laughs> second episode he's missed with illness. Yes. So the, the first one was a yellow. His first yellow. This is his second. I don't know what that means for next week, but we'll find out. Uh, anyway, I'm Adam Taylor. That's Jason Anderson. We are both from blackandredunited.com where we write about D.C. United, the men's and women's national teams, uh, the Washington Spirit, the Richmond Kickers, they're all there at Black and Red United. Tonight, we are talking all D.C. United, except for you know the teams that they played. Played is a strong word, I think. Uh, the Philadelphia Union kind of took United out to the woodshed on Saturday, and we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about D.C. United's upcoming trip to the Columbus Crew, which you might remember last time united went out there also involved a woodshed um and not in a way that would flatter dc united so we'll talk about that upcoming trip as well we're gonna open up the twitter box too so stick around for that before we do anything though jason anderson what are you drinking
1: well uh our regular listeners know that adam has gone on a long run of uh drinking rum uh when and dc united follows up by not losing um I last week- my end of the bargain Yes, he did. Uh last week he drank yet another rum drink despite his misgivings about that entire the entire genre of rum drinks. Uh <laughs> I-, I think the object in the end became finding something that was at least palatable enough to get by, but it I was never was like problem. oh I this one's my, good.
0: I didn't put myself in through, in, into enough pain last week.
1: Okay. I, Maybe that's it. But, but either way the whole way, this thing was, was Yeah, the whole thing was just Adam drinks a rum drink of some kind. Um so I want to combine that idea with our long standing tradition of after a particularly miserable game of having some sort of punishment shot or punishment uh, drink choice. Um, so I have a shot of regular old Bacardi. Um, it's their, their regular ass white label, uh, clear rum. Um, I have a long history with rum. Uh, I do I've had a lot of good times with rum, but it was always spiced rum. I always, Clear rum to me was like maybe for like a mojito, but I'm not big on it um, as compared to the other spirits. Uh, But I have I have some uh, for guests, mostly. (laughs) Um, And so I have a shot glass uh, full of Bacardi. So I'm going to drink it now because uh, you got to have something to, to, to burn away the sadness from this game. So here we go. And he
0: threw it back. Do you have a real drink as well?
1: I do, uh, and it's better than that. That's um, good. I have a Heavy Seas uh, Pounder Pills. Nice. Um, it's, a, it's a good, it's just a high-quality, crisp Pilsner. It's not too hoppy. Um, if Ben were here, he would tell us about how much he hates the concept of a hoppy pills. but he's not. Um, this, I think, would fit his demands. It's not right. too I mean, hoppy.
0: A Pilsner should have some hops, though.
1: Yeah, no, I but, think you and I... It's not like an
0: IPA hop.
1: But right, because at that point you're just doing something else. But um, yeah. I think you and I are more welcoming of some hop element in a Pilsner than Ben is. Ben was was almost angry at the idea. Um, this, I think Ben would drink without any qualms. It's just, it's a nice version of the Pilsner. Uh, and it's, sometimes you just need something that's nice and refreshing in, in the summertime. And that's what it is. Nice.
0: Uh, I am not drinking rum. I am... Both really happy and sad to say. Uh, Can I,
1: I got to interrupt. The rum, the rum shot is worse now than it was going down. It's getting it's progressively worse. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: I, I feel that feel, man. I feel <laughs> those feels. Um, so tonight I am drinking beer. I'm drinking a Smutty Nose Hayseed out of, uh, it's a country table beer is the way they describe it. Smutty Nose mm-hmm. is up in uh, New Hampshire. They have an adorable little spotted seal on their label. Um yeah, and it's a it's a good beer. Um uh you know, very easygoing, kinda unpretentious, just ale. Um that's that's very nice. I enjoy it a lot. I it might be a lager. I'm not actually sure. It doesn't say, it just says country table beer. And I didn't do any research into it. So uh that is the level of commitment we promise <laughs> you here at Filibuster. Um,
1: I haven't had a bad experience with Smutty Nose before, but I have not had this particular beer. Right, Sounds good, it's, though. It's good.
0: Um, yeah, they're, they're a strong, strong output up there in, in New Hampshire. Um, Jason, I understand there are some people who are still trying to get me to drink rum at this point.
1: Uh, yes, uh, Stephen Streff is trying <laughs> to get you to drink more rum because he is uh, amused, most likely. Is <laughs> more, more than anything, I was just amused by the concept of people drinking things they don't want to drink. Um, not that they're being forced to drink, but that they are choosing to drink despite themselves. Um, but, uh, basically we we've, doesn't we've like me it. very
0: much. We, I right. think we can we, say, uh, St- he's, Steven, he's a, it's over. We can't he's he's gain anything. <laughs> yes. He's a mean colleague who, Our who Our colleagues knows, are often
1: mean. Yes,
0: it's true. <laughs> but he, he wants me to be miserable and it's okay. I don't blame him. I don't hold it against him. He's a good writer for us. I'm just going to sit here and sulk a little bit. No, I'm not. I'm going to find something else to sulk about, which would be this week. uh, DC United, who played one of the worst games you're going to see this year, I think, uh, against Philadelphia last Saturday, losing three to nothing. Two PKs before halftime and a set piece goal doomed United in a major way. Um, Yeah, who scored the goals doesn't even matter, although Isenio's finish was was pretty strong on the third goal. Um, In this game, nobody wearing black and red was good. But I think Kofi Opari had probably the worst night. Like, if if there was a a TV show, like a a, a cable news show on Sunday mornings, like, who had the worst Saturday night? The answer would be nationally, Kofi Opari.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, Probably the worst he's played since he joined the club. Um, And I think it was really defined by something that happened in the first minute. Um, He ended up against CJ Sapong, who turned him, got around him, and... and, um, actually felt he might have been fouled. He felt he might have been fouled. I don't think he was fouled, but um, Opari was in trouble from the first time that he had to do anything against uh, Sapong, and he never really came to grips with him. Um, but I also think that it was a team-wide, other than Bill Hamid, who kept this from being 5 um, uh with a couple of good saves, uh, and he wasn't at fault on any of the goals. So, you, you have to give him a pass. But for the rest of the players that were in the game, um, they just weren't all the way ready to go. Um, yeah. And that, that's probably why Olsen was not in the mood to talk about the changes to the lineup or tactics or anything like that. Because it, when, when your team gets on the field and they're that lacking in preparedness uh, for just the battle that's going to come, because it's an MLS game, it's going to have a certain element of a fight. Um, that that always happens. Um, and when you're not ready for it, this happens in MLS. And we see it happen um, throughout the league. Uh, anytime you see one team get blown out by another team in this nature, you have to suspect that that's what happened. If it's not for an early red card or something like that. And it was just one of those games. Um, United individually, on an individual level, players were not ready to go. Um, I think mm-hmm. maybe... I'm trying to think of the whole lineup. Um, maybe Marcelo Sarvas was uh, ready to go a know, little he's, bit he's until...
0: passing felt like it was right. the worst
1: I've ever seen from him. Um, so. yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's a stretch, you know, yeah. for anyone. Um, it was just... It was a bad day at the office for just about everyone involved. Um, yeah. I know when Acosta came in, I was... I
0: was happy to see him, but I felt like Nick DeLeon had been the least bad of our our central well, midfielders. That, but I it's mean, still splitting hairs on yeah, how he was, bad everyone was.
1: Right. and I I I can't shake the, the, the defining moments of that game were all um all union players just getting the better of somebody either by thinking faster or mm-hmm. by winning a physical battle uh, and not even having to dig deep and to win it. It's It was just too easy for the union all uh-huh. over the field. Um, and it's not a tactical thing. It's a it's an issue of players not getting themselves ready. And the coaching staff bears some responsibility, too, because when your whole team comes out, that lacking in readiness, something something went wrong in your, your day of game prep. Um, I have no idea what happened. Um, I know from what Steven Streff told us since he was at the post game press conference that, um, Ben Olson was not in a good mood and and we've seen him more than once say this one's on me or this one's on the coaching staff. And he did not say that this time. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he was not in a good mood. So, um, maybe this one falls more on the players. Um, but it might have, some long reaching consequences. You know, this is Bobby Moswell gets benched and this happens though at the same time. I don't know that they're related, but you know, you do have to consider whether they are or not. If if you're running the team, you have to be considering that sort of circumstance. Um, Alvaro Saburillo gets benched. Um, you know, we saw two veterans lose their spot and we see a performance that was the worst of the year. I know we lost three, nothing at home to Dallas but that came – those goals came on individual errors more or less. This was an individual – like individuals all across the field playing badly. And, right. and
0: I guess the one thing – if you wanted to find something to hang a hat on, you could say that there were no goals from open play, which –
1: That's a, something a where But The penalties – but, right. But the penalty kicks came from open play, from, yeah, from players getting – it was a weird first half. Well, one of those came from
0: uh, – the aftermath of a corner uh the second one came from a recycled corner yeah which, where do you draw the line between that and right. a corner and um, play it's it's a range but it was still the philly was still advanced from a corner yeah. um but the first one was you know chris pontius on on the break just eating OPari's lunch yeah. which he did and, again later to get Opari red carded
1: right and, and you know United getting pushed back so far and having to defend. It was weird because the union didn't, I think at halftime they only had five or six shot attempts. Um, so if you just looked at the stats, you'd be like, man, uh, Philly must've caught two breaks on these penalties. It must be, that's the only thing that divided the teams. But everyone that watched the game knows the union basically camped out in DC's half for almost all of the first half. Um, and it was because United was so reactive Um mm-hmm which uh, is maybe the most troubling thing is that they just it was all reactive play. It was not there was no trying to get ahead of the union mentally at all. It was just pure what's going to happen next. I don't know. And then trying to react to it after it's already in the process of, of happening.
0: Yeah, I think there was one break where Nick DeLeon was super slow to recognize. And and so is Nagel. And and so is Marcelo. And, uh, but Sean Franklin made a, a big run up. Basically into the the Philly box, and when and then everyone was just standing around watching, and when the ball turned over, Chris Pontius booked into that space, and there were zero United players to yeah. get there. There's a
1: lot of like looking at each other, like, "Hey, who's going to do it?" Yeah,
0: um, no talking, no nobody taking okay. ownership. It was
1: right T- taking ownership is probably and that's probably what led to the angry press conference. Is that? Um, this is a team where taking responsibility and covering for others is big mm-hmm. um and this was a game in which that wasn't really happening there was a lot of looking around there was a lot of being a little naive and uh that's that's how you lose three nothing and the union the union didn't really even break a sweat after getting their their third goal it was like all right we're done here um and they and they were <laughs> it was not a it was not a sarcastic thing. It was like, no, this game is over. Um, yeah,
0: which is why I can't even take much solace in the fact that United did seem to come into the game as the second half went on. But, I mean, when you're down 3 nothing, and the other, time, the other team hasn't gotten past third gear, yeah. you're, you're going to have space to get, get yourself sorted. It shouldn't take yeah. 50, 60 minutes for that to happen, though, and a 3 nothing deficit. And then, even then, United couldn't get a, a consolation goal. Jason, right. I know you compiled some stats on exactly how bad United were. And this um, is not easy for me to transition to.
1: No, it's it's fine. Um, there is no good way to, to talk about this stuff. Um, Rip the band-aid off, Jason. So I mentioned that United was reactive, and um, looking at some of the stats, um, there were some things that jumped out that just screamed reactive. Um, we'll start with um, Marcelo having to make nine successful tackles during the course of the game. And sometimes we say, wow, that, you know, a defensive midfielder with that many tackles, you say, wow, what a game he must've had. Um, he must've been all over the field. This was more him trying to cover for all the things that were going on around him that were wrong. Um, trying to tackle, to fix the errors of others. Um, this wasn't front foot winning the ball. It was just someone chasing and, and trying their best to prevent worse of a disaster. Um, United committed 21 fouls. Um which is is much more than normal and the the main culprits on most of them were up the middle of the field. Kofi Opari committed 5 fouls, Marcelo committed 5 fouls, Alhaji Kamara committed 4 fouls. Um so you have guys up the spine of your team giving away fouls because they aren't able to think ahead and get into spots where they can win the ball without committing a foul or they're having to drag people down to prevent worse damage which is how um uh Opare got did he get both of his cards for that uh for, for both times was uh dragging somebody or or trying to prevent somebody from breaking in further um uh, no his second one the, was the second
0: one. yellow was out on the um no i know but Panis was getting into right the box,
1: the box. Yeah. no Panis was yeah. about to enter the area so um that's kind of that's kind of a it's more emphasis on the fact that they were just so behind yeah. the union. Um yeah, and he was fouling guys after they got past him, basically. Yeah. Um and then the other problem was Lamar Nagel in sixty four minutes only got eleven touches on the ball. Um on a, in a lineup that was already extra defensive, um, which I wasn't happy about. Um, to see uh Lucho Acosta get dropped. Um Especially on against a team playing Brian Carroll, who yeah. is, is slow and immobile at this point in his career. I feel like Acosta was going to find, you know, not just Carroll, but Tranquilo Barnetto is more supporting the attack rather than, um, you know, he's mm-hmm. more of a linking guy. He's not lining up next to Carroll. So I think Acosta would have been a much better um, complement for that matchup uh, for United than having Jeffrey and De Leon in that space. Um, but when you have that lineup that United sent out, it meant that centrally your creativity is mostly coming from Marcelo, um, mm-hmm. and then you need your wingers involved and Nagel had 11 touches in 64 minutes. That's ridiculous. I
0: know. I know a couple of them ended with him making aimless passes to no one or just casually walking up and a defender coming behind him and just right. stripping him of the ball. Um, he, he was sleepwalking yeah. out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys were, yeah. um, but I would like to at least see United feed him the ball more when he's going up against Fabinho. He's going up against the Union's weak spot in that lineup um, across the back four. So why not feed him the ball? Why not try and pick on Fabinho? Um, and United never got that going either. Um, and that partially it's just because the Union did not let them do anything. The Union didn't let them make any decisions on their own. Um, and uh, that's... That really kind of underlines how bad the game went. It's funny because um at halftime I think it was six shots to three, uh, between the two teams, but United only attempted three more ha- shots in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um so they never even got like you know they did get better as at three nothing and they started making some subs and uh a couple things changed until the uh the yellow card, the second yellow for Opari. Um but they were pretty much dead uh, as soon as El Seno scored mm-hmm. um and it's funny because I guarantee that the speech in the locker room was like if we get one back in the next few minutes, we're you know in a good spot to to still come back in this game and to give away a goal where Sapong is one v two um to win a header um and knock it back to set El Seno up completely wide open um that maybe encapsulates the game better than anything is yeah. Sapong is one on two um pretty it seems like he's well marked but then he ends up controlling everything that happened yeah the, he okay. did really throughout he um, did. i MLS's i thought he was team of the, oh, oh yeah he should be team of the week i, yeah. I haven't seen it but he MLS's should be
0: team of the week came out and uh pontius made the bench and ilcino and uh Alberg made mm. the First eleven team of the week, and C.J. Sapong is not to be found, and I I actually scoffed at that because he was, he didn't have the stats like he had one assist, right. well, but he had
1: one assist, he won a penalty kick, he yeah. got a man sent off, and he also dominated that game. No, Chris Pontius, um, I think, drew both fouls on Opare. On Opare, I thought the the first one, or, or yeah, yeah, you're right. The, um, the the red card was from Pontius. Yeah, but um, but he's but in any case no pare the yeah. entire game not, he, yeah like he was he was the player who was controlling the game um yeah without a doubt he was absolutely the man of the match for me yeah i don't i don't I, I assume that this was a didn't watch dc united and voted anyway kind of deal yeah voted, um, voted which on happens stats. which happens a lot see yeah. also bill hamid not getting player of the week from anyone uh including our own sb nation soccer poll which i'm now complaining about uh after I informed them that they had to vote for Bill Hamid because there was it was obvious and people didn't, there were people that left him off their ballot, uh, and I'm sure there were people with the North American Soccer Reporters ballot and MLS's ballot, uh, or I guess MLS doesn't do a Player of the Week, so we can't hold them right. to that. They do a Team of the Week, which right. they he did make at the least, Team of the Week. Yeah, they at least got that one right. I don't know that there was a another alternative, but then I also thought there was no alternative but to vote for Hamid, but he didn't play in the ESPN game. So uh, that's half yep. the battle at this point. Um, democracy doesn't work, it turns out.
0: <laughs> democracy is the worst form of government there is, except for all the other ones we've tried. Uh, I think going back to this game, though, I think Ben Olsen does deserve some flack. You mentioned some of the changes or the changes he made. Opare for for Boswell. Last week I called for benching Boswell, and Opari's the next man up. I, I think that decision at the outset is entirely reasonable. I think putting Kamara on for Sabo does make a certain amount of sense. I don't know if I would have gone for it at this point, considering how, how on lock Sabo has been the last couple mm-hmm. weeks taking Costa off for anybody, but especially for, for Jared Jeffrey, I just don't understand. Jeffrey had a good substitute appearance last week. Mm-hmm. Got, got the equalizing goal. Um, but he, he doesn't bring anything to that anything other than being the deepest midfielder. So when he came on, I assumed it meant that Marcelo and De Leon would be side-by-side, side, higher up the since, field. But he Olsen kept Marcelo deep and put Jeffrey yeah, yeah. higher up, which well, since, just made no sense to me.
1: Well, si- since this formation has come in, um, Jeffrey has consistently played ahead of Sarvas. Um, and I can see why, because in this setup there's more of a a responsibility on the ball in that defensive midfield role. Um, and Marcelo is better at that than Jeffrey. And also Marcelo has played this deep role before, um, Mm -hmm. in in a setup like this, he's played this spot, um, when he was with Alaholense, that was, that was actually his performance in this kind of role is actually what caught the eye of the galaxy, which is why he came to MLS in the first place. Um, so i can see why that was done when those two are going to be in a game um but i don't understand like especially against the union especially with Carroll out there um dropping dropping a for this one um it seems like an overcorrection at, um an overly conservative move uh, move or, you know based on the union at full strength and what they can do to teams um because that is a really good midfield. I mean, uh, Barnetta has played for Switzerland like 50 times. Um, he is a legitimately good player. Uh, Allberg has been on fire since he pushed his way into the starting lineup. Um, we saw what Ilsenio can do on the dribble. Um, Pontius is healthy. Chris Pontius, a uh, potential best 11 player. Yeah. Um, he and doesn't CJ, play
0: with as much defensive responsibility.
1: Right. So and CJ Sapong has been great uh, mm-hmm. whenever he's been healthy this year, so... There are plenty of weapons, but I feel like the solution in this game was not to get overly cautious. I think giving the Union something to worry about going the other way would have worked out a lot better. Um, But you know, I don't, I don't know why Acosta was dropped. I don't know if there was an issue uh, in training or a knock that has gone unreported. There's no way to know. Um, Right. So we're left with just puzzlement because it is it's puzzling. Um, Yeah. You you need somebody. Yeah, you need somebody in that central midfield. Somebody has to be able to provide um, uh, something going the other way. And in this setup, you have Marcelo's ability to play over distance, um, and that's about it. Um, yeah. Deleon made some runs, but trailing runs with without real, a real target man, uh, that don't, they don't really work. Espindola um, and Nagel ended up not really factoring into the game at all. Um, and neither did Kamara except for a few fouls. Yeah, Yeah, Kamara, Kamara did work hard. Um, and and yeah. the thing is, actually, I want to say, because I know that, that whenever a team plays badly in soccer, people tend to say, oh, if, you know, if only they had shown some real effort. Um, I thought United tried hard. Um, that's not what went wrong here. It was that they did not apply themselves in an intelligent manner at all. They were behind mentally. They were not prepared for the physical collisions that were going to happen um and it wasn't that they weren't trying to win them it's that they weren't mentally geared up to win them Mm -hmm. um and it it shows all across the field i mean they really didn't win an individual battle uh all over the field every every single person um I'm, i'm looking at it now like yeah really nobody won their into, mm-hmm. and, and it helps that United is playing the inverted triangle and the union play with a four two three one so everyone lines up very conveniently and across the field it's like, yeah, we lost every single one of these yeah um so yeah i don't i don't I don't know how this was gonna work um unless it was just grind the game down to dust um, and frustrate the union but uh, for that to happen, you have to be more than ready to win the mental battle and the the physical battles. And they weren't. And that was that was really that. And the union defined that from the the opening whistle. Um, This wasn't something that developed over the first half hour. This was something that was clear within the first five minutes of the game. It's like, oh, the union are more charged up than United um, and they have more weapons on the field and United is basically lost at sea right now. And they never they never found their way home.
0: All right, we promise we will find our way home after this break and be charged up and everything else. Uh, so stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben. Um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is, are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or, or do something else. Oh, nefarious you are. In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia.
1: I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law
0: Office. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It is time now to open up the Twitter box, and because my phone is dying, we're going to let Jason do this, because nothing can possibly go wrong with Jason no, reading. No,
1: certainly not. I am a capable reader. Um, <laughs> all right, our uh, our questions mostly came from uh, Josh Weber at, uh, at Salisbury United. Uh, Josh, thank you for helping us do this segment, because otherwise we probably would have skipped it without your questions. Um First question, uh, discuss what formation Kamara is best suited for. I'd like to see him and Fabi in the old four, four, two, but that eliminates Acosta. So Adam, I'll let you, let you go first.
0: Yeah, I agree with with the issue at the end of that, Mm -hmm. that it's eliminating Acosta. And I think that makes it, um, a non-starter for me anyway. Uh, the, I, I haven't honestly seen enough of Kamara when we are providing good service to say what his best use is. Um, I don't know if he can be a viable target man all alone up top or not. Um, So it's, it's tough to say if, if you think he's best in a two forward setup, the answer would probably be a three, five, two, which is also a non-starter with our current roster. So I think right now, um, if you want to get Acosta on the field in a decent position, which if you're a United fan, you should, uh, the answer is this four, one, four, one. And seeing if, Kamara can make it work up top, but I don't think this game against uh, Philly is any use in determining whether he can do that role because he didn't get the ball in good spots at all.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with, with everything there. I would add that um, I feel like Kamara's best formation or best position within the possible formations DC United might play uh, is in a four, two, three, one. Uh, where there's a little more of an aggressive attempt to give him some support because I don't think he's a back-to-goal uh, target man, but I think it becomes more of an issue of not so much formation but style. Um, United needs to be able to keep the ball a little more, and they need to be able to play him in behind. Um, I think that's what he's looking for um, rather than having to replicate Alvaro Saburillo's way of playing. I think he's he's a guy that if you're playing in behind – um and you're giving him the support from uh the midfield the the attacking midfield right behind him, uh you're in business. But um this formation right now, I think you can do it, but a lot of what goes on behind him in terms of keeping the ball is, is what needs to improve. Um yeah, rather keeping than keeping the ball sp- and keeping it on the ground. Right. Um rather than improving the formation needs to be more about um getting in behind early, and then sort of what the revs do actually is they like to get in behind early and then establish possession in the attacking third from there rather than looking to play to the forward with back to goal and then build from that point um so it it 's a change in how United moves the ball up the field basically is more my concern than the formation um okay second question uh also convince me this sam trade was a good move since Neyarko is coming back and they're both strictly right-sided.
0: Okay, I will disagree with the premise because Ben Olsen has been playing Nearco on the left, kind of inverted, quite a bit recently, and that's where some of his goals have come from, uh, is cutting inside on the left to get the ball onto his right foot or to make a back post run. Um, so Nearco I think, has shown... And he played on the left a little bit in Chicago from time to time really. as well.
1: He's done it much more here.
0: Yeah, uh, um, but, but he, he, he's done it... He he's done it before and i think he can mm-hmm. play on the left um and and ben olsen has to show he can bench fobi if if he wants to get both sam and niarco on the field that said i'm not sure if if that's what he wants to do it depends on what he asks sam to do whether he wants sam to be the guy who cuts inside um in which case you probably want Fabi on the left to send in crosses with that left foot of his if you want niarco on the left um to cut inside, and then then Sam has to be the guy to stay out wide. Sam has shown over the years he can do both of those things. So it's it's a question of what do you want tactically from the unit on the field, and which side do you want the wide guy on? And the, I think the guy I who think stays Sam, wide, the guy who stays wide, yeah. yeah. And and I think depending on how you you want to put those pieces together, you have some options when you have Niarcho and Sam and Nagel and a Spindola. that's that's not a bad core to have on the outside
1: right um and i think what i would add is that uh there was a good piece on uh mlssoccer.com breaking down some of the statistical differences between uh Nagel, niarco and Sam mm-hmm. and this year uh Nyarko and Nagel play have played very similarly in certain ways especially with regards to crossing whereas Sam has tended to put in. I, I think it was like five point something crosses a game, whereas Niarco and Nagel were averaging like two and a half. Um, so that kind of speaks to what Sam's game is. Um, not that he. I mean, he's been he's been able to be very effective cutting inside and going to goal. Um, but he's also been very effective staying out on the wing, uh, beating his man and then getting across in the, you know some old school uh, winger sort of play. Um, On a team with Alvaro Saburillo in the box, uh, that's a pretty effective tool to have, um, especially if if Lamar Nagel is back on the left again um, opposite Sam. Then you've got him making the back post run, and he's got plenty of center forward experience. So um, that becomes pretty – it's a pretty interesting situation. Um, I think it diversifies the winger pool. Um, It's not a great sign for – Rob Vincent and Miguel Aguilar uh I think if you know especially since I know the rumor is that we're talking about like a hundred something thousand in allocation money um so it was not a small amount, the Red Bulls said it was by far the best offer they got um and that could be posturing too we, you know they they knew the Red Bulls knew that they were um having to convince fans that really loved Lloyd Sam. That this was the right move, so there could be a bit of posturing there where they might be overstating uh, how much money it was just to uh, buy, some, buy some love back from the fans a little bit. But in any case, um, it's not great when you've got two other wingers and you go out and trade for yet another one only weeks after having changed to a formation where one of your forwards has also become a winger. Um, and so you go from being four deep to six deep within the space of like three weeks in those positions. So, um, it does improve United's ability as, uh, it improves their depth and it does so by possibly adding a new starter. Um, and it also is sort of an insurance policy because we're already on New York's second, uh, concussion. And I think it's the, the year. eighth. Yeah. Second, second of the year and eighth of his career, um, So, there's a certain level of, you know, what we've seen what happened to this team without Nearco. It hasn't been very good for the most part. The offense has not been great without him. Um, So, there's a little bit of, let's protect ourselves from that happening again. Uh, So, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, now you've got four guys competing for two spots, and they're all pretty good players. So, you know, Nearco is getting back towards being ready to play. Um, So,. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I like the move in a vacuum, but you have to be able to play the right way to create the the right circumstances for Sam to be effective because he's not going to be as flippable uh, as the other wingers where we've seen Nearco and Nagel specifically switch sides over and over again. Yeah. That isn't necessarily as much of a possibility, I don't think though. You never know. Olsen. I mean, before Nearco got here, I thought, he most likely was going to be on the right ninety nine percent of the time, and that has proved to be not the case and that he's been able to succeed uh in that situation as well. Um let me get to the third question, my phone turned off. Um uh also, how the heck are we fitting all these players on roster? We should be at the limit. Casper manipulating the IR rules. Um I don't think, I wouldn't
0: say manipulating, I would yeah, think
1: he's, I would using them. Use- yeah
0: um Uh, in in baseball they're very transparent about injuries who's on the the 14-day dl who's on the the longer um disabled list uh i think in mls they're they're much more opaque we have no idea officially who is on the the injured reserve but we're we're sure at least one uh guy on the roster is whether that's and, and the players on the IR can also be listed on the injury report as something other than out. So that makes it extra confusing. Um, this would, I think, be the biggest benefit of gambling's involvement in MLS is is forcing teams to put out a timely and honest injury report and uh, forcing the league to say who is on injured reserve because right now we don't have that. We have players listed as questionable who are out for months we have players who are definitely out listed just not listed at all and and coaches are, have a, a very free hand and a very wide berth on what they can yeah. do um and that's honestly a problem if you're a fan who's obsessive and trying to to keep tabs on a lot of things jason i know you keep injury spreadsheets for players around the league and you deal with right. this all and the it's, time
1: it's entirely because of what we're talking about um things oh. like you know, multiple reporters earlier this season said, you know, Colin Martin's at training, but he's in a walking boot right now. Uh, that injury went unlisted for like a month. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not a D.C. United thing. That happens all across the league. So if you watch a broadcast of a game, the announcers might mention like, oh, well, you know, such and such wasn't training this week. Um,
0: and, and that would be the first time report. you hear
1: it. Right. Um, and they've heard about it because they went to training and talked to the coach, but it's not published anywhere. Um so things like that get left out all the time. Um and that's mostly why I do it is because I don't trying to write about what team DC is going to play next and then finding out, oh, this guy happens to have been out for a month and they just no one mentioned it. Um mm-hmm. so so it's a it's a it's an issue around the league. Um in this case, I think it's reasonable to suspect that you know, Chris Korb they've said has had some setbacks, so um we have to assume he's on the injured reserve. Um, Dykstra being out for you know eight to twelve weeks at a time when United had other goalkeepers coming in, you have to assume he's on there. Um,
0: Rolf opens could be. Up,
1: uh, Rolf at this point could be. Um, I need. Mean, I guess I should have my um, our our roster open. Um, there are thirty players under contract, but you've got to remember Chris Durkin is not on the roster this year um, outside of the open cup, which unfortunately we did not give him more than one game to play in. Right, um, but he was really good in that one game. He was really good. And that's actually part of, he wouldn't have been able to play anyway, um, right. but it, it was certainly a, you know, what if kind of scenario is something to look forward to next year. Yeah. We um, think
0: Charlie Horton is not counting against a roster spot right now because he's he, on what we think is an un-
1: well, un- I wouldn't
0: recallable loan to, I, to Richmond. We're not sure that
1: no, he's not if he's on loan with Richmond, he is recallable. Um, okay. That's not like um, like when Shinosky went on loan to the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. That was a unless there's an emergency, he's not getting called back in at all. Right. Um, and so he was off the roster. He you, you still have to pay his cat hit, but you don't have to pay his or you don't have to give up his roster spot. Um, so I assume that. The reason United is able to fit Lloyd Sam in um, is that there were two players on the injured reserve, plus Durkin doesn't actually count towards the roster. Mm -hmm. So you end up with one more spot, which would mean that the next move – and I assume there's more moves because Olsen has said more than once that he's talking about moves in a plural, not in a singular. Mm -hmm. Um, And there should be moves – there should be at least one more move because the team needs a striker. Um, I assume that will be followed by somebody being let go or released, um, or, uh, traded or someone being placed on injured reserve that we don't know about. You know, it could be that, as Adam said, that Rolf, uh, could be on the IR and we just haven't been informed of that, which would open up one more spot. Um, doesn't open up cap, cap space. It just opens up
0: roster room. Um, the team does have some Tam to play with.
1: Yeah, they they've got, you know, if if they sign the right guy and they're at the right salary point, they can use TAM to add that much more to that guy's salary without hitting the cap. Um but I mean, that's the the job of an MLS general manager is to deal with the ridiculous number of rules you have to keep straight uh and get it all get it all in under the various numbers you have to get in. And that um, is
0: where Dave Casper excels, is in that aspect. He, yes. He's good at many things, but the one he seems to be um, superlative at is finding room under the cap.
1: I mean, let's, let's – to give an example of a situation that happened elsewhere in the league when this doesn't get done correctly, um, you might remember uh, – uh, what's the guy's name from Orlando? Um, Brian Rochez a Honduran Olympic team player. He's actually played for their senior national team. He is spending the entire season on loan with Orlando City B in the USL because they didn't have enough international roster spots to keep him on the senior team. Um, And then they continued signing internationals. They signed Julio Baptista since then. Um, So not only did they plan poorly and end up having to hide a player on their B team for lack of international spots... Um, and last lack, lack of roster space. It's that they didn't fix the problem at the first chance that they had. <laughs> um, but that's Orlando. And there've been articles about it recently. I know Paul Tenorio wrote a really good one, uh, for four, four, two USA that detailed the, it's a mess down there off the field, um, on the soccer side, but off the field, you know, Adrian Heath lost his job, not just because they're playing poorly, but also because no one really knew what, who the hell was in charge. Um, they had their GM let go, or their their GM uh, was let go, and then their replacement left before the season began. Um, right. So that's that's what you don't want to do. Um, don't do what Orlando's is doing. You, their their ticket Just sale generally. department, their ticket sale department. You should you should probably take some lessons from them. Um, but Except other than that, when it
0: comes to the Open Cup. Yeah, uh, that was... They did not sell the Open Cup game, and sales were so bad, they decided to pull the game from TV. Or maybe that was the plan all along, was not to show it, to force people to show up in the stadium. And it utterly backfired. And um, our colleagues at the mainland, uh, our sister side on SB Nation, they, they put the administration down at Orlando City on blast, deservedly, for that. Um, it was a very fr- fan-unfriendly move. Anyway, let's... Uh, Jason, are there any more Twitter box questions we you literally want to bring
1: up? we literally got one uh during this last answer um all right last it, one this is from in shane um who is at Ankiyaman, um who has written in a few a few times for our twitter box um it's actually kind of a three par so i guess we'll do quick answers for all right. the three questions um all right adam i'll give you all three are you ready okay. lightning round style
0: lightning round um, style
1: all right, first question: wait, Boswell. Wait,
0: wait. Or? Sorry, do you mean lightning round? Because yes, that's all caps.
1: Lightning round. round. <laughs> um, all right, first question: Boswell or Robinson? Uh, this was
0: a question I was going to save for later in the segment, but I think I would really like to see Robinson, but I think we will see Boswell.
1: Uh, that's yeah, that's most likely correct. Uh, second question: Is Deleon blinding us from his mediocre play with sweet hair?
0: uh the hair is really sweet the hair is really really good i don't think his play has been mediocre i think um he he to some level plays to the level of the guys around him or at least he looks like it because he he fits in really well when the team is playing well and he looks bad when the team is playing bad um he's a very much he's a player that's very much reliant on his teammates because he's a facilitator
1: that was not light lightning round okay um but coming it's from, okay
0: coming from you though i don't i don't think i get you i know i rarely get the short chance answers. i
1: rarely get the chance to say somebody's going on for too long um last question uh do we see sam versus columbus i think we do
0: i think we would have seen him against philly except for o- opari's red card even with the, the scoreline being out of whack i think we would have seen him if boswell didn't have to eat up one of the subs so i think we will see him in columbus whether he starts i think is an open question it's possible ben olsen has shown a real willingness to start guys uh as soon as they come but i think we will see him at least as a sub
1: yeah i'm inclined to agree especially with a week of training um i think he'll play some part in this one um but that's it that's the that's the twitter box this week all right
0: So D.C. United will try to get back on track at the site of their biggest loss, numerically speaking, in recent years. Five nothing to the Columbus crew uh, to end last year's regular season and push United down into the playoff round where, of course, they beat New England. Um, They made a habit of that recently. Anyway, Uh, that game will be Saturday, 730 on News Channel 8. Hopefully the production will be better than it was against Philly. And hopefully the game on the field will be, too. there, there is some promise here, if only because the crew are a bit of a shell of, of what they were last year when they hosted MLS Cup. Uh, lost, losing to the Timbers, of course, but, but they hosted that game. Uh, bit of a fall since coming runner-up in MLS Cup. Uh, they're currently ninth in the East, five points behind D.C. United, and I think that makes it 14 points behind the conference-leading
1: pigeons of Yankee Stadium. Somehow. Yes. So that, somehow, somehow that, that team makes, is in first. We should no all sense. feel bad. Everyone else in the East should feel bad about yes. that because that's not a good team.
0: Yeah, I, I think they have the largest goals against in the Eastern Conference and are yet in first place.
1: <laughs> it's, um, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, the crew. Are, yeah, the crew are, are, are in the bottom three for goal differential in the East and have just three wins on the year through. 16 17 games. Um Jason, they're not very good. And and coming off a th- 3-1 loss too and also not very good Revs team.
1: Yeah, anytime your record is 3-7 and 7, you're bad. Um and if you're in this year's Eastern Conference and your record is that bad, you're really bad. Y- yeah, you're you have you have some things to consider. Uh you have some things to feel bad about. Um the funny thing is they haven't undergone major tactical changes. It's not like they lost their coach for some reason and had to re re figure out who they were. Um, it's still Greg Burhalter, It's still, um, most of the same lineup. Uh, very few players have swapped out there. Obviously, um, Kai Kamara's departure made big headlines. Um, and that's a huge, it's a huge change in how they have to do things. Um, Ola Kamara was brought in to be his backup, but he's not the same kind of player. He wants to get in behind. Um, he's a classic standing on the back shoulder, looking to, to run through the channels rather than a, uh, aerial target man. Um, but that still doesn't explain everything that's gone wrong with this team. And it's a lot. Um, the reason Kamara left was a locker room breakdown, um, was the kind of thing that did not happen in, or, you know, I assume that, The differences that became untenable this year were simmering last year, but they were able to keep them under control enough that it wasn't a big deal. Um, But yeah, they've been a mess in a lot of different ways. Um, And this game, this last game was really, a, a lot of it was on display because the Revs, if you guys have listened to me on this show or on our Facebook Live videos or read my Twitter account, you know that I think that the Revs are a bad soccer team and I stand by that. Um, and they made the crew look like the bad soccer team this week, so I guess the good news for United is that they get a chance to once again not have a winning or losing streak by playing a very bad team um but at the same time, we thought this would be a favorable game last year without um with Iguaine not playing um
0: also the case with kamara
1: week. with kamara um suspended uh much to his chagrin mm-hmm. um which he complained about endlessly due to his pursuit of the golden boot, even though it was a completely legitimate reason that he wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, if
0: he had played, he might've gotten the golden boot. Oh,
1: he, he probably he would have
0: all the goals that game. Yeah.
1: It was a disaster of a game. Um, fortunately, that was the crew at close to their best this time. Uh, it's not the case. They, no one in a crew uniform is playing at that level. Um, if you watch their their last game, the third goal they gave up was a comp- like the kind of thing that happens on a particularly bad rec team. Um, there was confusion over a call, of whether it was coming or not, and two guys essentially kicked each other and prevented themselves from clearing it. And Kai Kamara found the ball at his feet with an unprepared goalkeeper and defense nearby and just mm-hmm. fired it in. Um, it was the kind of thing that professionals never do. Um, and it's been that kind of year for Columbus where they just shoot themselves in the foot defensively and they aren't as good going forward. And that's pretty much it. The midfield hasn't been able to dominate much of anything. They do still keep a ton of the ball. Um, they do possess pretty well, but they aren't able to do anything with it most of the time. So, uh, it's a, it's a good time to be playing them.
0: Yeah. That's also very much like the revs. Um, being able to hold the ball and even hold the ball in good places and just can't score. Um, although United scored against New England, New England scored against Columbus. Obviously the transitive property should, <laughs> should hold pr- in prepare our prepare
1: yourselves for a six, nothing win.
0: Yeah. If only man. <laughs> if only. Um, so how does Kai Kamara's loss? He, he went to New England and as you said, scored against, the crew last week, how does his absence affect them or how has it affected them?
1: Well, it it robs the, the thing is the crew's philosophy in playing was based on possession and then using width to fire in a lot of crosses. Um, and with Kamara in there, it's, you know, one of the most aerially dominant players ever to play in MLS. So even if the crosses aren't great, eventually he's just going to make something happen. Um, Ola Kamara is about four inches shorter. Maybe, maybe that's even a little generous. Um, it might be more like five. Uh, he's not particularly gifted in the air. He's not a big, strong guy. Um, he is mostly looking to be quick. He's looking to run in behind. So a style of play based on holding the ball and creating a good setup for a, a promising cross into the box isn't really effective with him. Um, so they've had to relearn what to do because it's a weird situation where their whole system was based so much on one role being good. Um, Mm -hmm. and now they have a pretty good player. I mean, Kamara's got, I think he's on seven goals now. Um, so it's not like he's not been effective. It's just that the entire crew way of attacking has been kind of a mess. Uh, they're not entirely sure how to get to the point where they're putting him through. Um, so that's been a big problem for them and the other the other issue I think is that um, without that back to goal presence where they could play in defeat because Kamara's mm-hmm. not really Ola Kamara is not really giving giving them that um, they're really feeling the injury to Higuaín because now their ability to possess in those areas is less and so they end up having to build out of the back much more and it slows them down quite a bit and it becomes very easy to get into a, a good defensive shape against them to prevent them from really being effective. Though they they have been getting their goals lately, it's just that um, the other side of this, and it has nothing to do with Kai Kamara, is that they can't defend to save their lives.
0: Right, and this is not a case of Steve Clark holding the ball and letting Diego Valeri slide tackle it into the goal, which was one of the most incredible starts to an MLS Cup I've ever seen. Right. Um, they just... What what's going on with them? Are are their center backs having issues? Is Parker falling issues. off a cliff? What what's going on?
1: They I mean, have and, and been also, bad they've been bad at all of the defensive things that you can be bad at pretty much.
0: Um Do you think this is a also a spin off of some of their locker room issues we've heard that, that Sauron uh it's, wait it's not Sauron, what's it?
1: No, it's Gaston Sauron.
0: Sauro, I was adding it yeah. in. Uh, yeah. We've heard that he wants to get the hell out. We've heard rumors that that there there may be even other players who are trying to get out of Columbus right now. Um, it's it's not a stretch to imagine that that could be a part of their their trouble right now.
1: Uh, that's part of it, certainly. Um, last year, before Sauro was signed, they had some big problems in the back, and it was because they didn't really have. Somebody that could battle in the air. Um and Sauro is injured right now. Uh he, he did his knee. So he's out. Um Tyson Wall missed the last game suspended. And they don't have that that literally leaves them with one natural center back, and it's Michael Parkhurst who is undersized and uh not going to be useful in the air. Mm-hmm. Um they tried to play this game with Chad Barson, who is a right back by trade. Um it went Pretty horribly. Um, there was a game where they tried Rodrigo Saravia, who was playing defensive midfield uh, the last time I saw him play for Guatemala, um, uh, when the U.S. beat them uh, in the must-win qualifier from – it feels like that game was like six years ago, and it was actually like a couple months ago. Um, but he's not a center back um, by any means. Um, they've had issues at left back. Waylon Francis has lost all – All of the form he had last year, he just hasn't been able to be stable in either direction. Corey Ash has mostly – I think for the last month, Ash was starting, but Francis started against the Rebs. Didn't play well, so that might be up in the air. Um, Harrison Offal has not been able to influence games going forward. His his defending has been all right, but he can't influence games going forward. And Steve Clark hasn't really been able to produce the – you know how they always say goalkeepers need to give you one big save a game? Mm-hmm. he has not been able to give them that big save per game. Um, in front of that, Will Trapp hasn't been in form. Um, he's been available. He just hasn't been playing very well. Yeah. Um, Tony Chani missed almost, I want to say, the first three months of the season with uh, some sort of injury that was never really spelled out, to touch on something we already talked about. Um, and then once he came back, he's looked like he's, he's looked like his mind is elsewhere. He looks, um, against the Rebs, he got very upset with, um, uh, um, Mark Geiger, um, over a call and then let that turn into a foul that got him booked soon thereafter, if I'm, yeah, uh, in the first half where he was yelling at Geiger for like 30 seconds and then the next time he got a chance to do anything, he went and got himself booked, um, So he's been kind of off form. Um, Iguain has been injured for about a month now, so he's not able to do anything about it. Ethan Finley has been... uh, He's been off, and also Columbus has been less good at finding him. Um, Last year, they were really good at getting him in behind, uh, and then he was able to either get into the box or or put a low cross in. That hasn't been happening very much. Um, And that's... I mean, that pretty much covers the whole team almost. Justin Merriman has been okay, but he hasn't been as good as last year, though his history against DC United makes me cautious to say um, that he's off form because he's usually able to do some damage against DC. But they've just individually, they've seen a drop off at almost every position. Um, And that's one of the things that happens in MLS is that when you get on a run and you end up going to MLS Cup, Um, sometimes you've just caught lightning in a bottle. Um, some teams have set themselves up, you know, Bruce arena is really good at repeating that. Um, most other teams don't really know how to keep repeating that. And it looks like this year that Columbus as, as good as everyone was last year, they've lost form by that much. They're not even like the medium version of Columbus. They're the, the bottom of the barrel of these players capabilities, um, and that doesn't – when their locker room is also not healthy, as as there's a lot of circumstantial evidence is the case, then you get a team that is in the – you know struggling to stay ahead of this year's Chicago Fire, which I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you want to define a bad team, that's the reference point. That's the benchmark. Yeah. So we are running a little bit long, so let's uh, pretty quickly game plan for Columbus where – Where should United be looking out for the attack to come and where should United be attacking?
1: Uh, Defensively, they can't let uh, Columbus feed Kamara in behind. Uh, They need to defend their channels really well Um, in the midfield. They need to be aware of when players get their head up and are looking to make those passes through the channels. They can't let that happen. Um, Going the other way, I think um, the rev showed that if you can press Columbus into a lot of mistakes, Um, You just have to be brave enough to do it because right now they aren't doing anything to keep you back. And I know
0: it's— United's been okay about at home, but not as much. Um, They
1: they, did—they have had moments where they've Mm -hmm. pressed well. It's just they can't sustain it for 90 minutes on the road. But in this game, I think they need to utilize a high press until they get themselves a lead, which I think is something that's entirely possible. Um, The crew are a fragile team mentally— Um, they are willing, they're still all willing to keep the ball. Um, so I think you have to combine those two things, that willingness to hold on to the ball, but not necessarily do the right thing while you have it. Um, and really go out and chase them because if you let them possess and start to build into the game, they start to feel a little good about themselves. Um, beyond that, I would say Saburio needs to come back in because they're not going to be able to compete with him in the air. Um, and maybe give them a little bit of their own medicine. As far as a, a a cross heavy game, I don't necessarily want to see United only hitting crosses. I don't want to see 40 cross attempts or something like that. Um, but I would like to see it above, you know, eight or nine or whatever it was this week where they basically didn't attack. Um, yes, but you know, take advantage of the fact that they don't have a natural center back who's good in the air. Um, Tyson Wall will be back. He didn't play this last game due to suspension, but he'll be back for this one, but he's not going to win too many headers against Saburillo. So take advantage of it. Um, get, you know, if, if Nagel happens, if, if we don't see Sam take one of the wing spots and Nagel's on the field, I want to see him making those hard runs where he's getting into those spots as well, because even if Wall marks Saburillo, then you've got Nagel against Parkhurst and that's a mismatch. Um, and from there, set pieces are important. The, the crew aren't going to be good in that department. Um, defensively, they aren't going to be good. Uh, at the right. other end, they've still, they're still pretty clever. So I, I would worry about that a little. But um, the main thing is don't necessarily think of this as a normal road game where you have to sit back because then Columbus will start to feel a little confidence. Um, I think this is a game that's going to be defined by going out and making the crew think about all the things that they've been bad about this year. Uh, and that comes from pressure.
0: All right. That's it for us. Uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at black We're also on Twitter at filibuster DCU for the podcast at black and red U. for the website. Send your emails to filibuster podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly, though, tell a friend about us. That's really how we get new listeners. And, and we appreciate it when you do. So, uh Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason.
1: Goodbye, Jason.